Hello and welcome to Tech Talk, a podcast for early stage tech startups brought to you by SparkSense. We discuss with entrepreneurs, investors, executives to share hands-on actionable insights how to bring unique solutions to market. We talk about sales, financing and technology. This uh, tech talk, which is a bit special, it's a, it's a breakfast time. Normally, we try to do those uh, late in the day, but we, tr- we said, well, why don't we start the day with a, with a good discussion? And the discussion today is really about how do we uh, organize teams, uh, and in particular, uh, new organizations such as startups, leveraging both internal and external resources in the best way possible. And of course, the topic is quite uh, burning because uh, of the current uh, sanitary situation, but it's just accelerating a, a movement which has been in place for some time already, which is how do you leverage on-demand skills and project-based skills to make sure that we are successful as a startup. With us today to discuss this topic, we have uh, Thomas von Chammer uh, with uh, Neural Concept and Pierre Federico Ferrante with the Junior Enterprise APFL. So I let you present yourself briefly before we get started, Thomas. So hi everyone, uh, my name is Thomas. So just a bit about my background. So I've been doing my bachelor and master at APFL as a mechanical engineer. Then I've also been vice president of the Junior Enterprise APFL. And now I'm basically on the other side uh, working in, at Neural Concepts. So we're a startup based at Innovation Park, APFL. Uh, and I'm there, it's been now more than two years. And I'm there, yeah, director of operations, so I'm taking care on, of the project we have ongoing with customers. So I had the opportunity to be on both sides, basically, of the, of the buyer. Here we go, here we go. Thank you, Hi. Thomas, for joining us today and sharing your experience. Pierre Federico. Uh, and and uh, so my name is Pierre Federico Ferrante. I'm, uh, I'm also studying mechanical engineering at TPFL. And uh, my current role at Junior Enterprise is vice president. So as Thomas did, uh, I managed a few things uh, alongside with my uh, with the direction. Uh, and uh, today I also launched my own company. So I, I know what uh, what it feels like to work on uh, uh, with, you know, different talents coming from uh, the outside world. And, um, and that's it. Very good. Thank you for thank you for being here today. So, with that being said, I will pass it over to Thomas uh, to explain a bit uh, how he's uh, leveraging uh, those uh, partner external resources to grow business and uh, participate in the in the growth of uh, the company Neural Concept in the last uh, couple of years. Thomas, the floor is yours. Thank you, Ave. So, yeah, just about Neural Concept, the company has been founded in 2018 uh, from a lab at TPFL. Uh, we, are, we are trying to sell basically a deep learning based software dedicated to CAD and, and CAE. Um, yeah, you can go to the, to the first slide then, uh, Hervé. Uh, so just a bit of, of context, I think here we are in the EPFL ecosystem. I think it's, it's good to have another view of the main phases that you can have uh, when you're trying at least to sell innovative tech products. Um, you, have, you have all these phases that you see here that are summarized. It's, more or less true, but approximately makes sense, at least for us it does. Um, you see that when we call start when we call startup, especially in the PFL ecosystem around university and innovation park, you have those two early early phase stages uh, where, where you want first to reach the innovators, the techies, and then you have the, the early adopters. 
and then you have you have the basically this big step uh, which we are trying to to, to cross uh, it's basically called, called crossing the chasm which is for most of the startup a big challenge and that's where really you have you need flexibility you need agility uh, before because crossing this chasm can take months or years and usually uh, you will have uh, to rethink the business plan first to uh, rethink the way you're approaching customers your marketing messages and so on um, so i would say that now we will focus more in, in, in this small talk on, on those two first phases so from the launch of your company uh, to the phase uh, where you're, you're trying to cross this chasm and reach really a, a larger majority of, of customers um, so why would you then on those two phases leverage on on, on demand resources uh, well first as i said uh, almost all of us uh, will have to rethink our business plan several times meaning that um, usually you will try maybe to go for a given niche and then you see that it's not the appropriate one so you would move to another one uh, you will really think uh, rethink your, your marketing messages the way you're approaching customers also your product itself uh, what you're developing in your product um, and so in order to do that, you need flexibility, you need agility in your processes uh, to make sure that you can move forward and uh, go from one topic to another quite quickly and, um, and be ready to, to admit that uh, you're not in the good direction, but you rather take another one. And that's why uh, really you need the minimum amount of inertia at this moment. And really on-demand resources can be very helpful in this sense because then you will have a targeted need and you can use that to to reorientate yourself and to use this flexibility agility that, that they provide. Um, second of all, as you can imagine, uh, we're on a competitive market, all of us, so you need to act fast. Um, these on-demand resources, they have uh, basically what, what you would need. They have disponibility of resources, of, of qualified resources. So they also understand most of the time, or, or at least try to understand that's a job your needs. Uh, so that they are here to, to really help you to act fast and to make sure that uh, you have what you need in time. And they, they will provide this, this disponibility. Um, and at the end of the day, as you may know, for startups, uh, hiring is a very, very complicated, complicated, complicated task. Sorry, um, Most of us really takes a lot of time and we, we are not always sure that our hiring interviews are, are the best processes and how we structure them. Uh, we don't know if, if really at the end of the day we evaluated correctly uh, the people we, we plan to hire and that's really really a big task and especially when we are a few people hiring one or two members is really a, a huge increase a huge relative increase so it's really important to make sure that the people you want to work with are the one you're looking for at the end of the day and having on-demand resources would be kind of a gap closer in the sense that you would start by having people and you would not have the whole responsibility of the people under yourself to start with, but really sharing this responsibility with your partner, which is providing this, this on-demand resource. And your partner basically already did this first step of hiring interview. So the people is providing you with should normally be already qualified and answer to your need based on, on what you discussed with your partner. Thank you for, for this, uh, Thomas. So just to mention, uh, don't hesitate to ask questions either on audio or on chat. Uh, and we'll come back to this topic of uh, selecting the right talents and, and interviewing. I'm sure there's going to be a bit of discussion on that, which is a, quite a fundamental step, as you said, Thomas. Um, so just a few examples about the company, uh, about our concepts. 
how did we use basically uh, on-demand resources? Well, first at launch time, uh, the logo of the company and the first version of the website. So here it's, it's the new one, but the first one were made by the Juno Enterprise PFL. So that was really at the beginning uh, when you have to, to, to build the first branding material. <clears throat> then later on uh, for staffing, uh, especially for hiring an administrative assistant. Uh, as I said, hiring takes a lot of time. Uh, we are all very busy in startups. So we, we don't always have this time of hiring people. So we used also on-demand resources, and especially the, here at the Junior Enterprise BFL, uh, to get an administrative assistant, which then stayed for quite a while with us. And then also with SparkSense uh, for strategy, we worked with Hervé and his team uh, regarding fundraising topics. So it's, the first ones are more targeted needs. Uh, we know that we need a logo. We, need, we know that we need a website. Uh, the strategy is more of an open, open topic that uh, is still always ongoing, of course. Uh, was about especially uh, fundraising, but also commercial development, which is fundamental for any any business. Right? Yes, thank thank you, Thomas. I see welcoming uh, a few other uh, participants. Andrea, Nico, uh, and Peggy joined us, so welcome. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, don't hesitate to ask questions either uh, on live audio or in the course of the discussion using the chat function. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Good so, morning. good morning. And so, effectively, so I think this is a, a good first step to see, uh, Thomas, uh, how you uh, used uh, on both sides, of course, as a part of the junior APFL uh, organization, but also uh, later on uh, within your concept, how you used uh, external resources to further enhance your, your organization. I see uh, maybe, Bastien, you have questions? No, you're, you're having your coffee and croissant. Uh, that's great. So that's the breakfast. That's why it's breakfast time. That's perfect. So maybe we can we can uh, continue the discussion in a more general way. Uh, how, how typically uh, we can, uh, as a startup, leverage external resources. There are different models which can be applicable. And uh, Pierre Ferrico, don't hesitate to jump in uh, as, as necessary. So clearly, uh, you have typically those, those three models which are offered by uh, external providers. The first one, which is probably the most common, um, is the what you call the staff augmentation, is when uh, effectively is what temporary agency does or um, job job agency does, where you have a specific staff need and they would they would look out for you for the relevant resource but the responsibility of managing the resource lies with you as a startup, as a client directly. That would be uh, the, the model number one, which is called the ER staff augmentation. The, the, the second level is really when you are able to access what you call a managed team, which is when there is a, uh, both, of course, as Thomas said, a selection of the candidates, which is very important. Uh, we'll talk a bit more about that. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a shared responsibility of managing the, the team and managing the outcome of the uh, project. So that's uh, where you have a managed team of managed resources uh, concept in place. And the third uh, model, which is also quite common and which is probably uh, most frequently with, uh, for example, junior IPFL, is a project-based organization where uh, as uh, Thomas highlighted, you have a very particular project. You know you have to do 
a website, maybe a new uh, design, or maybe even a software development. And there is a project assigned, and the majority of the um, of the, the the responsibility would be then to manage the project uh, and make sure there is an outcome which is within the reach. And this is where the responsibility in this case lies mostly with the resource provider. So these are the diff some different models uh, available, which you might consider uh, depending on what you have to achieve and also the, the level of resources you have available internally for your business. Pierre Ferrico, you want to you want to add I, a few a few comments or examples of what you've done? Uh, yes, um, maybe on on project based uh, outsourcing, as it's uh, as as it's from what we see, uh, one of the most used uh, methods of outsourcing. Uh, this method really allows people to just uh, for small smart startups or companies uh, to to allow someone else to do a small task that has doesn't have to be done uh, over and over again uh, in the course of the next years. Which which means that, for example. Uh, if you have someone that needs to do administration, obviously you'd go for the staff augmentation sit, since it's a continuous process. Uh, you would need someone in a, in a continuous way to do something. Uh, whereas on project-based, uh, as, as Thomas did for the logo of his company, uh, the idea is that someone does a punctual task once uh, by outsourcing all the, all the tasks um, linked to this one. And uh, I think that's a very interesting way of seeing things, especially for small startups, which don't really need to grow in terms of... Uh, of people working for them, but they just need to go as a startup. And when they need punctual tasks, I think that's a very interesting way to see things and also to allow for, uh, for external um, uh, providers to, uh, to put their, their, their um, um, to, to put what they know uh, on, the, on the market. So I think that's really interesting. And uh, we see that going on very much on, uh, with a lot of small startups, especially at EPFL. Uh, in junior entreprise EPFL, we had a few, um, uh, quite a few projects with small startups that are in the, um, um, that are at EPFL and uh, they really need those uh, those outsourcing uh, possibilities since they just don't have the the people that are qualified to do those things. So yeah, very so interesting it, to see how it grows. Exactly. So it's a situation probably which is best fitted for where you have a clear focus, a clear scope of work, and also at the same time you don't necessarily have even the the resources internally to manage the project, right? So that's a, a interesting combination, clear scope of work and also a fully outsourced uh, a project so that you basically focus on really getting the outcome of the project where, where it be a website, uh, a, new, a new software. Yes. So that's uh, something, uh, something important to, to consider. When you look at the managed team, this is really what uh, we do with uh, SparkSense and welcome uh, Amen uh, in the meantime here. Uh, with the managed team concept is really uh, the situation where you have a clear objective. In our case, for example, uh, we offer particularly business development services. So this is really the focus is to acquire new customers, uh, but it is really an interactive um, situation where we have a strong collaboration between the startup and SparkSense to achieve this commercial development. And this is where managed resource is very important. So for, in this case, SparkSense manages the business development associate. So it's part of our team. Uh, at the same time, there is a very frequent, very intensive interaction with the startup so that we make sure we have the right uh, commercial success. So this is the managed team concept. And effectively the staff augmentation is when there is no real need 
for the external provider, whether Junior Enterprise EPFL, SparkSense, or anybody else, to manage the resource. The, the resource can be managed most efficiently and also most effectively directly by the startup. Uh, the example Thomas gave, uh, administrative staff or uh, other, other types of activities is a good example for, for this kind of situation. And again, don't hesitate to, to jump in with questions if you have. So, in a, to put it in a to put it a bit in a in a, in a, another way, uh, representing a graphic which which is quite useful. Uh, this is a, so the staff augmentation is clearly the direct uh, direct responsibility of the client and the startup in this case to manage the team. Uh, that would be one one situation. Uh, the other situation, which is the managed team, is where the provider, for example, SparkSense, provides the full project management and the resources at the same time in order to deliver the right outcome. Right, So that would be uh, clearly a, a situation which is what we are proposing here. Any any uh, comments, uh, Thomas, uh, on, uh, I'd like to, so this is basically wrapping up the, the presentation. Um, I'd like to come back to, and again, uh, this is an interactive session, so don't hesitate to, to jump in uh, at any point in time uh, with questions or comments that you might have or experiences you have in using and partnering with external uh, companies in, uh, in growing your business, uh, because that's, I think, uh, very interesting to share also the experience you have. Uh, I'd like to, to kick it off maybe with a question to you, Thomas, is, uh, mm -hmm. Let's talk about uh, effectively the, the level of talent, the quality of the talent is, is one uh, key to success. And of course, when you are an investor, uh, because uh, we work also quite a few with, with investors, they, they tend to say, well, I'm going to invest in a team, right? And particularly when, when the startup is quite early, they're going to look at the team and say, I want to invest in the team. So how do you see that, uh, that uh, distinction between the core team and the extended team and, and then the second question is, how do you go about uh, se selecting the right talent with external parties? So um, that, that's a really good question. And that's, I think, uh, if I had the magic answer, um, yeah, I would, would, maybe wouldn't be at this stage uh, still. But uh, anyway, um, so about talents and hiring talents, um, working with external companies. Uh, for example, the, the, the example we have with the administrative assistant, which is at the end of the day, still a very, very important position uh, because uh, uh, it, it needs to be done and it needs to be well done in order not to lose any time. Uh, basically, the example we have is we, were, we were, went first through the junior enterprise EPFL. Uh, it was more really on a project base. We have given needs and we know that these needs have to be fulfilled in a given period of time. So it was really project based and we had someone working on these tasks. But really what this allowed us is to work with the, the person involved to better understand how she was working and if she was she was fitted to work with us and at the end of the project as it went really well uh, we discussed with the junior enterprise epfl and this was the opportunity for us to really hire her on a longer term so i think by doing that really you try to minimize the risks because first you you, you learn to work with the person you learn you learn about her you learn about her methods and you have a first glimpse of how what it would give if you would have her full time basically and really by doing that, you have this kind of, of trial period where you, 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 you minimize the risk because at the end of the day, 
uh, it's, a, it's a project based you have deliverables and you know it will end and at the same time um, i think you can really 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 try to see with the enterprise or i don't know if, if sparksense does that but if it went super well uh, th there's always a possibility of discussion and to have have the people and have the person on the longer term so that's really how we saw it um, we don't really like per se the, the agency that really just place talents in your company uh, because most of the time uh, first they, they just harass you with with many many cvs and they don't really make a pre-selection themselves because they don't really understand your needs they, they just try to to cover as much as they can mm -hmm. uh, second they are very expensive and third uh, we don't feel like uh, they, they bring a really added value in the sense that we don't feel like they, they really minimize the risk uh, in the sense that uh, at the end of the day we will still redo interviews with them and we will go through the whole process so compared to normal hiring hiring process or having a company that places talents in your company directly we don't see a big added value however we do see a big one when we have the opportunity to first have project-based or even more open topic uh, such as commercial development where we have the opportunity to work um, from time to time on a regular basis with 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 persons uh, to see how they work and to to minimize the risk of working with them and then maybe if the need is there to go further with, with the person there yeah, and as you say i think uh, it's important to see the the different stages of development of the startup or the company in general uh, and 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 the needs are changing over time and effectively the vi the visibility on the types of resources which are needed is not always obvious for example in the commercial side one one thing we see quite a bit is uh, you have a, you have a stage of the startup which is still for example in a in a discovery mode where they you're not quite sure about the product market fit, for example, and you don't know which kind of profile, uh, industry profile of person you need to hire, right? So because, of course, if you are selling into automotive, uh, aerospace and energy, because you are still looking for the right uh, product market fit, you don't know yet which, which profile you can hire. So it's a good way to kind of um, be flexible. The flexibility you mentioned, uh, Thomas, is very important, and you are able then to to select afterwards, say, okay, after this phase of discovery where you have uh, the product market fit, which is achieved, you're able to say, okay, now I, I know I need a person which is a, which has a deep network in energy, for example, because that's mm -hmm. where I want to, to play and that's where I have my product, um, uh, which is uh, the most valuable for the market. So that's a nice way to transition from uh, basically a founder's team to a more established team with a with a settled organization finding this uh, this way in between that's that's a, that, that's a situation any any question on on that particular aspect yes bastian uh, you need to unmute yourself or yeah yes um it was yeah just another maybe another question is more about what are the different pricing models available for the different kind of services that uh, you mentioned the managed team and the project uh, um, team uh, per hour per project uh, monthly uh, before after uh, yeah that's a, yeah. Good, a very yeah, what's the business model and how does it make it uh, affordable for startups right and uh, Pierre Ferrico uh, yes, you want to yes or flexible. Go ahead. flexible yeah flexible Pierre Ferrico you want to you want to start first with the junior entreprise the model you you follow for project-based work for example uh, yes yes um, I mean that's a very good question because it always depends on the needs of the company and what people can offer but uh, as for what we do at junior entreprise EPFL 
the idea is that, as we said, we, um, the whole project needs to be outsourced. Uh, there needs to be no, almost no work from the client uh, in order for the project to be achieved. You just need to give the few guidelines. And as for that, the, the easiest way is to give a, um, is to give a, pr a price for the whole project uh, that is based on the amount of work that needs to be done, uh, the complexity of the project and the time it will take. So I guess you, uh, you kind of uh, mix up all the three components and you, uh, uh, you get uh, a certain price, which is very attracting in our case because we work with students and, uh, and um, we're not earning anything from it. But I know that many other companies also do it for a, for a fairly good price as um, uh, it's interesting for someone not to have to hire someone for, for six months and pay a full salary, but just to, uh, to contact uh, an outsourcing company and uh, they would do the project uh, for a full price that uh, is always going to be less than uh, than the price you would have paid if you if you engage someone. So uh, I guess that's uh, what we do at Juno Entreprise and what mm -hmm. a few other outsourcing companies also do. So project based with a clear budget uh, that would be on the project side, Bastien. Yeah, yeah. How do you manage uh, project scope changes? Uh, that's a good question. Um, usually, we what we do is that we have a let's say a, a very good interaction with the clients before the project starts. Uh, by that, we mean that uh, we have a first talk with him to get the few, the main ideas of the project. Uh, and then as we go on in, the, in uh, writing up the, the contracts, uh, we have a few dif discussions uh, coming back and forth and uh, uh, let's say um, uh, settling down all the small things that might not be clear about the project. And the goal is that when the project starts, the goal of the project is very clear. The ways to get to that goal is very clear. And uh, we make sure that all the needs of the client are written up and they're clear for both the parties. So usually there's very little changes during the project. But as for that, usually what happens uh, for us, for example, is that either we, we finish the project and then all the, the small modifications that were wanted during the project are considered after it uh, with a maintenance, maintenance contract or a or follow-up contract uh, and usually that's the best way to settle things because the client has the time to see his main project being finished and then uh, considering a few modifications a few changes or uh, starting all over because uh, he realized everything is not good for him but that's something that almost never happens since you always talk a lot before we even start so uh, that's usually how we settle it we we really have a, a big talk at the beginning and uh, that usually settles all the main uh, the main issues at the beginning Okay, so it's a, it's a predefined uh, work scope with a, with a, a start and end uh, effectively, and maybe what I see uh, I hear from you, Perfecto, is the, the change orders or the change requests are lumped in together, maybe for a new project or a revision which might be coming afterwards. Right? That would yeah, be yes, one, exactly. one way. That's for the big changes. Obviously, exactly. if, uh, if there are little changes, for instance, if a website needs to be done and the the, the client wants to change the main color. Uh, that's not a big issue, you know, you can always yeah. settle that down, but exactly. sure that if you want a whole new page and a whole new functionalities, then you have to consider it after the, uh, the end of the, um, of the first contract. Okay. And then to your question, Bastien, on the, the managed team, so to give the example, the, the way we, we operate uh, with SparkSense on the business development activities, of course, here again, uh, if you look at the, the market, uh, there is uh, many different ways of, of doing this. What we see uh, for uh, early stage tech startups, typically what is important is a couple of things. One is uh, transparency. So very uh, close collaboration, an open uh, stream of communication between the startup and us. 
so that we can share information about prospects, about opportunities, about contacts, about names of companies. Very open co collaboration is, is one very important uh, building block because things change, the product evolves, the pricing might change as well. So it's a very, we are, a lot of our clients say, we are, they feel that we are part of the team, which is the kind of the, the, the first element. Uh, the, the second element is uh, budget visibility that uh, similar to what Pierre Ferrico does on the project side is we believe that the startup needs to know, okay, how much is going to cost me uh, next month, in three months, in six months, because they need to manage liquidity and manage the availability of resources. So we try to combine those two uh, I, in offering, in our case, we offer a subscription-based model. So there is a flat fee per month, which is uh, which is uh, available to uh, for the managed resource we provide on business development, and this is uh, this doesn't change, right? This is not uh, this is not variable uh, in any form or fashion. This gives uh, the flexibility uh, over a period of time to continue or obviously discontinue the service, but it's also uh, avoid situation, for example, when you have success-based models where the payment is only done when there is success, that creates a tension and also uh, sometimes a big separation between the provider and the client because they don't want to share information, right? Because of course, each lead which is shared uh, might or not create a success fee. And of course, that creates a big wall of communication. And we don't think it's a very, very beneficial for, for for the startup and also for the provider. So that's why we, we decided to go with this flat fee model, subscription model, which seems to be working very well so far. Does that answer your question, Bastien? Yes, yes, it's very clear. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. Any other question uh, or comments or add-on which may I missed? Uh, Leonardo, don't hesitate to jump in if you, if you see things that uh, I mean, uh, not uh, not seeing very well for so far. Okay, great. So that's that's uh, I think a, a first chapter on the on the business model, the selection. Um, let let's talk a little bit about uh, the the next the next phase is that of course at some point, uh, Thomas, uh, as you said, you have this phase where you're transitioning from the external resource to internal resources. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, and also uh, how does that does that work best uh, in in your example, of course, in your concept, and and probably even your personal example as well. So yeah, if if I take for example my my personal example, uh, it went quite smoothly. I'd say um, it's always in the, in the same idea of, of trying to work uh, to have a sense of working with people before committing to a longer term engagement, in the sense that. Uh, so I've been in the company basically since uh, the foundation. I'm not a co-founder per se, but I've been I've been uh, one of the members from from the beginning. And uh, basically, I've I've been working with the the CEO and co-founder uh, before the company was was founded. Uh, during basically during his PhD, I was one of one of the students. I worked with him actually quite a lot, and also during the the, the enterprise EPFL as vice president. I worked directly, I was directly involved in the project to define the, the first marketing material of the company on the other side this time, as uh, Pierre Federico is. And uh, that's always this idea of when you can, trying to have this first, this first idea, this first sense of working with people before committing on the longer term engagement. 
So that's how it, I did from, it went for myself, basically. And then I went on, on full time, uh, obviously. But, but for, for, for now, so I, our hiring process, um, so when we want to commit to a longer, longer, long-term hiring, hiring process, uh, we, don't, we don't use ex any external uh, talent hunter or anything. We could go through our own, uh, own processes. As I mentioned, it's, it's quite delicate to define uh, the proper interview rounds and make sure that you evaluated well the candidates. Uh, so we, we try to have different opinions, different point of view from people. So that's why we always have several rounds with several people interviewing the, people, the, the candidates on different topics, of course, based on the need. So first we try to put very clearly on a sheet uh, what, what do we want uh, the people to be, the key, the key competencies that we're looking for. And based on that, uh, we have uh, specific interview models. Uh, we go at least through two or three rounds uh, with different people, different people involved in the company, and at the end of the day, uh, we have this big discussion together. Uh, we, we confront different points of views, and we make sure that we all align. And uh, if we all think that is fit for the job, then uh, it goes along. Great, great. Thank you for for that. So, uh, and uh, uh, maybe to rebound on this, uh, because of course, uh, hiring people uh, and selecting the right talent is key. Uh, having this phase of uh, getting to know each other without, basically without the commitment, which is, uh, which is the working with an external provider is, is a very valuable phase to get to know each other. The chemistry, as you know, as you, as you know yourself, Thomas, uh, the chemistry with the, with the team, with the founder's team is very important. And of course, um, uh, this is a good opportunity to do that. Uh, maybe we can talk a bit about the typical profile that uh, Federico uh, EPFL Junior Entreprise uh, brings in to the table. Because I see some some of our colleagues here, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for example, Swissvolt is involved in uh, hardware, um, advanced hardware technology for uh, high performance computing. Um, can you talk a bit about the profile? Because we talked about branding, about uh, the website, but I'm sure there is also uh, some more advanced uh, projects as well. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, as, as for what we do at, uh, at Junior Entreprise, as many other providers that we look for external um, competent uh, skills. And uh, what we usually find us at Junior Entreprise PFL is always uh, uh, software, hardware, hardware development, um, prototyping as for mechanical engineers. Uh, but also um, uh, market studies or uh, translation work. And um, I'd say 80% of the profiles we come across and the projects we also need to, uh, to do are uh, linked to, um, uh, to uh, internet-based uh, work, uh, mostly software. Mm -hmm. um, I guess uh, as for the skills, it's, uh, it's such a broad, uh, a broad amount of skills because uh, IPFL is such a diverse campus uh, that you can really find everything. Uh, for instance, maybe one of the most interesting things uh, we're working on right now is uh, this virtual reality. Uh, we thought it was a skill that was way too developed for students, uh, but to our surprise, um, we, we did find quite a few students that were uh, involved, interested, and had the skills uh, to work on, uh, on virtual reality, which is really amazing. And um, I guess, yeah, really the main skills we come across is uh, web development, uh, web uh, app development, and all those, uh, those different skills. Okay, thank you. I, I guess the, maybe the hardest part about coming across such an amount of skills is to be sure to you know uh, know which 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 student really has the skills to complete the project, 
uh, as Thomas said, uh, you, you always have to have a few, uh, a few opinions to make sure everyone is uh, on the same line and that you all agree that this student or this person uh, might be the best one to, uh, to fulfill the needs. Um, I guess that maybe one of the luck uh, I'm having right now and Thomas had when he was part of the entreprise uh, is that up to, the, to today, I maybe had a few, 100 interviews with different students or different people. And uh, uh, I guess, as Thomas said, the very important thing, uh, if you want to outsource your project, uh, whether it be you doing the interview or someone else, is to make sure they have uh, quite a lot of different opinions and that they all align on the, on the same candidate, on the same skills. I guess that's very important. Mm. So uh, maybe something to consider. Yeah, thank you. Any view on the on the maybe Bastian? You asked question about the, the the business model. Any experience on your side of using or partnering with external providers, uh, or why you're doing it, why you're not doing it? In maybe in specific areas, you decided to, to to do internally versus externally. Any experience there? You want to share? Yes, so um, for our website, we're working with uh, an external provider. Mm-hmm. And um, so we've had this in mind for quite some time, but vouching the proper partner to work with uh, is one of the main pain that we that blocks us from starting. Mm-hmm. And also the, the aspect of if we, I mean, I believe that uh, if it's project-based it's, uh, and with the clear scope, it's less risky. Yet, uh, clarifying the scope of a project and having a project big enough that would make sense to work with an external provider, um, it requires also quite some work to figure out what and in which detail and what will be the budget for this. This is another blocker for working with external partners. I've been kind of fantasizing of having a uh, a partner that uh, stands in our weekly uh, meetings and uh, just where we can say, okay, uh, can you and your company do this? Uh, can you and your company do this? And uh, then be kind of build on a hourly, uh, hourly basis somehow of what they do. And uh, because sometimes we need help with communication, sometimes with sales, sales. Sometimes it's about uh, designing a, a new thing or going through a PowerPoint. So also the, the needs uh, that we get overloaded with, they are of many kinds. So that's also why sometimes the project specific thing is not very suitable, yet our workload is somewhat excessive at the same time. So that's a bit tricky to figure out how to work our way out of this situation. Yeah, I think you, you bring a very interesting point is that how, uh, how is a project-based work uh, suitable to address a startup, which by definition is changing environment, uh, unplanability, and so on and so forth. Uh, Thomas mentioned that uh, you have to rethink your business plan many times and so on and so forth. So it's a, it's a bit of a, of, a, of, a, of a conflict somehow, right? Uh, you, in one end, you need to define a scope and this is the application this is going to look like, and I need it by within two months, and boom. And on the other side, uh, the clients change, the market change, the team, also the, the skills within the team might evolve. So I think you had, you had a good point. So it's interesting, the, your idea of having like almost like a concierge service, right? Uh, somebody sitting at the table and then says, oh, you need, uh, you need uh, a, new, uh, a new logo, boom, we do this. Uh, you need to look at your PowerPoint, we do this. Uh, we need to talk about pricing. We do that as well, and so on and so forth. And then you get uh, almost like an hourly, uh, almost a utility bill uh, for you, like a Drupal, right? For you get uh, based on the consumption uh, 
that you might you might have drawn from a from a from an from a subscription uh, something we should do we should look at right uh, that's a, it's a good idea uh, but uh, Thomas, you want to you want to talk about that in terms of uh, project scope definition and how do you balance the the fact that uh, startups are by definition uh, unplannable and on the other side you need to define a project scope with uh, which is fairly well bundled before you press the button Yes, that's right. That's a, that's a really fair point. And uh, that's actually one of the key obstacles as well for us uh, when we want to work with uh, external partners. Uh, for the example that I have of the company, uh, it was clear we had an, a, a very specific need and we wanted to have it as soon as possible. And uh, we knew this need was quite clear. Uh, for example, we, we, had, we had no website basically, so we needed to have a website, right? Um, so this was, was quite specific, quite clear. Um, then if, if the, the need is changing, I think that's also on how you define, define the project itself and uh, on the flexibility of the partner, as, as Pierre-Federico mentioned, a flexibility is needed and is of, of course um, vital if you want to, to fulfill the, the whole project. Uh, then I think it's, uh, it's all about discussing this level of flexibility that the partner can have. And if you think that uh, depending on your level of maturity, uh, this level of flexibility is enough for you or you feel that uh, you're not confident enough uh, to move forward and you feel that uh, your project is not, I would say, clear enough at this stage and assessing the level of flexibility of the partner, uh, then you're not ready to move forward. I think that's also a very, very clear and valid answer to say to your partner that uh, right now uh, we don't think that they provide enough flexibility on their side and you don't have a clear enough project on your side to move forward. Uh, but already trying to define this project is already a huge step forward, I'd say. And already making this exercise uh, opens the door to maybe having it clear in six months or in, in eight months, yeah. in one year. Forces you to, um, to, to get organized a bit, yeah. That's, exactly. That's, that's uh, the other side. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, Peggy, I, I'd like to point it to you if you, if you, if you have a moment, um, be, uh, just to, to understand how you see that at SwissVault, uh, hardware development, uh, and obviously quite critical aspects. Uh, do you, uh, are you already using external parties? Any experience there? Or you do mostly internal development? If you're with, sorry, yes. Sorry, I had. No problem. Go ahead. Struggle with my mute. Um, so this is, these are very interesting questions. On the, on the, the model that you're talking about with um, the jeune entreprise, um, or entrepreneur, it, so what you're saying is it's an entirely outsourced, here I can put myself on screen if you'd like. Yes, um, yes, makes it. Uh, um, so it's a complete, there we go. so you're talking about here, we, here's a project that we want and we, we need specialized people for this, so we hand this to you. You find the right team of people amongst your resources and put together a package, if you will. Um, so that's a very interesting concept, but it's true that that much of the way that we're looking at things these days are as we bring people in, even on specific current projects, we're looking at them in terms of, will they grow with the company? Mm -hmm. Will they be able to add something as we grow, change, evolve, and so forth? Um, because we're not going to be static, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's so that that dynamic is interesting because we would then we would lose something potentially if we're working only with an outsource group in our ability to 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 bring in 
sort of as we bring in people, we can say, oh, this one, this person's working really well, has a lot of future, uh, the potential to grow with the organization. We're gonna, we're gonna do, we can try to keep that person. This person's great for this project, but we don't see that future. We're gonna work with them yeah. for this period of time and then let them go. Um, so that's sort of the model we've been working on, but I'm very interested in this, particularly because we have, um, we are primarily a hardware, but one of the things that we uh, hope to do in the future is do um, software packages that are tailored to particular clients mm -hmm. uh, for them to use on our platform. And so for something like that, I could see the need mm -hmm. for something like this sort of a project where we say, this is the, the particular area that our client is in, our customer is in, that's going to be purchasing our hardware and would like to see some particular kind of software running on it. How can we adapt that to, yes. so that it's used, it's best integrated with our, mm -hmm. our hardware, for example. So that's, I'm interested by that. Thanks. Yeah, that's, um, that's... If I may, I have another question, which is, so in the hardware world, one of the difficulties that we have is that there's very specialized equipment and tools uh, and machinery, and even in some cases, a, a pretty significant knowledge base that's needed to work with the hardware. Um, yes, that's some, that's some really nice questions you brought up. Um, I guess the the best answer in general is that, um, as you, you you know, EPFL is one of the the greatest engineering schools uh, in the world today. And um, as for those, those, those specific needs and uh, knowledge that you need for those uh, very specific tasks, um, the, the very amazing thing about the BFL is the, the, the huge variety of talents there are. And let's say the huge variety of courses that are offered throughout the different uh, bachelor degrees or master's degrees. Um, I mean, as of today, we always, come up, we always have people that come up to us and, uh, and say, look, we need that very specific skill, uh, but we couldn't find it anywhere because in the professional world, where all the, the people that have those skills, they work for big companies and they cannot be freelancers. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's where the, the interesting part comes. It's because students are learning that skills um, while they're doing the, the project with us. And uh, as for that, they don't have any engagement to big companies. Uh, they're free students that can work on the project in an independent way uh, regarding to their studies. They do that in parallel. And um, I mean, that's where you find those specific skills without looking for big companies. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess that's how we, we manage that. And uh, usually we always go, uh, go talk around to students on the campus. Uh, we look for specific courses where we know that will be students that have the skills. Um, maybe the best example is, as uh, we said, for virtual reality. Uh, there was a course in, uh, in the um, uh, informatics section that was very linked to virtual reality. And we went there, we talked to students, and uh, we, we found students that were very interested, that had some skills. Uh, some uh, some beforehand knowledge and uh, we could find the skill needed so i'd say there's no difficult skill to find it's just difficult to find it as a professional or to find someone that is uh, that is a professional in that specific skill because they usually work for those big companies uh, facebook google you know they all have those ana analytics that usually aren't freelancers and that's very difficult to find yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for that, uh, and thank you for sharing your your insight, Peggy. One, uh, one, add-on maybe to your earlier comment of uh, how you how you organize this external work, and uh, in in if I understood correctly, you were you were more in the model of uh, bringing people maybe a bit junior and and growing them with the company and and bring them forward. Uh, to me, this is not a complete, but well, both could work well. Uh, 
I'd probably the, the, the critical point is what's the interface between the external party and the, the company or the startup. Who is that person? And uh, is there, uh, normally in your case, it would most likely be an internal person, so which is going to be the one, uh, you could call it the client side uh, or the product manager, maybe, uh, who is going to be the one uh, basically uh, responsible for the deliverable of the project. So you are able to bring that person also forward in terms of skills, in terms of uh, competency, while leveraging an external, uh, an external provider. So that could be, and normally, of course, this relationship, are, um, we leave it also with SparkSense in, uh, in commercial development quite a bit, is uh, as long as the, the interface between us and the client is, um, is working well, there is a right level of availability, the right level of skills on both sides, the, the relationship works extremely well, and effectively, that's the the boundary condition, right? The, what what's what's the what's the interface uh, structure and the types of talent which is available there. So that might be something to consider. Is the, there is variation of that in terms of project, and who is the owner of the project and who is running the project? In your case, that might be something you want to internalize a bit more where you have the project management and product management maybe uh, more on your side and maybe some external resources complementing maybe even the, the team with particular skills, as Pierre Ferrico said, which are maybe difficult to access uh, on the open market, maybe difficult because they are, they are looking for full-time position or they are maybe too expensive also for a startup. So that could be uh, a blend, a blending option. Yes. Thank and you. Both of you just said is very true, and we've experienced it. So the, the the issue of people working in big companies, absolutely true. We struggle with that. Um, Great, but good to know that uh, there are some. You, it's good to see because the discussion is about uh, finding some space for where where things make sense to do internally, where things make sense to do maybe with partners, and and this is a we we believe very much that this is the blend of those which makes. Uh, companies in general, uh, in particular, younger mm -hmm. companies like startup, uh, successful. Okay. Thank you for that. Hey, and Bastien, I, yes. Uh, uh, sorry, Peggy, you want to just I add just a few? I just wanted to say that I very much appreciate what Thomas had to say as well, because that's absolutely my experience. That when you, if you're trying in a very small company to do your own recruiting, it's very difficult. You end up sort of being based on who randomly sends you their CVs type thing. But then mm -hmm. when, you, when you go to a, a traditional recruiting company, and they are very expensive, uh, they, will, they have a process, but they don't know you. And they don't, mm -hmm. they don't take the time to get to know you. That's not the model. They sort of ask you the standard questions, and then from there they go out. And so often they're getting it wrong. And part of it is because they don't know the right questions to ask. Uh, they don't know the atmosphere, the environment that you're working in. The, there's so many nuances in a, in a small team in particular. Um, and in this kind of work in startup too, I think. Yes, because uh, I think in a startup, you, you tend to recruit uh, for skills rather than for function, right? In big companies, you recruit more for function than for skills. You have a box which is well-defined and you need to fit that box. Uh, in a startup, is not the case, right? You, you, you look at what, what's the talent out there and what could we do with uh, with this person? How far can we go? Right, that's the exactly. yep. the journey is open, and you can they can do a bit of marketing, they can do a bit of sales, or they can do maybe hardware development, maybe a little bit of software. So there is a there is a, a nice flexibility, which as you as you say, the standard recruiting kind of template, which is a list of questions, does not fit that. 
and the pricing model, which is typically a percentage of salary, doesn't fit that either. So that, that's interesting to, to hear that. Yep. Thank you for, for sharing your experience. Bastien, you had a yeah, you had a question. Oh, Pierre, I, I, mean, I just I'm wanted yeah. maybe to add something sure. on what you said, if uh, and then I'll sure, let Pierre you. Sure, yeah. And then Bastien, um, we we'll, we'll come to you. Yeah, what you said about um, young companies or small companies looking for skills rather than than positions or function or functionality in the in the company, that's really interesting because people it's totally true for small companies they're really looking for the skill they need to complete their project and maybe that's where the problem lies. Uh, since they cannot get, um, let's say, a, a well-defined structure in the company in terms of positions. And I guess that's, very, that's where it becomes very interesting to outsource. Uh, a small company could, for instance, be looking for a few positions that need to be fitted uh, by people that will stay in the company. Uh, whereas for all the, the outsourcing that can be done and uh, all those moments where they need specific skills, rather than employing someone for their skills and then finding them a function, uh, they could just uh, employ him, employ him from, for, for their skills by outsourcing the work. And then later on, as Thomas said, uh, tools can be made. And uh, maybe as, if the work has been well done, uh, he can fit the company later when there's a function for him. So that's, uh, that's a very interesting way to see things. And maybe to, uh, uh, that's where you consider outsourcing or not your, uh, your work. It's an evolution. It's an evol evolving uh, topic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for that, uh, Pierre Ferrico. Bastien, you had a question. You, you raised your hand. You're on mute, I think. Bastien, you're on mute, I think. Yeah. Or I cannot hear you at least. Yes, sorry. Yeah. I think the question is more for you, uh, Hervé. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, so it, when it comes to how to say um, like company identity, for example, if you are uh, in, in B2B in sales and you have to interact with uh, potential customers, mm -hmm. yet, I mean, you're not a Drupal, Drupal employee, for example. So then, uh, how are you perceived or how is the company perceived working with third-party people to do introductions or things like this? I mean, how, and uh, I mean, in general, uh, with customer-facing interactions, uh, how is it perceived to work with external providers? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to answer. Leonardo, if you want to jump in, uh, feel free. Uh, uh, Leonardo is also working with us on business development, but maybe just to, to, to talk to that briefly. Effectively, it's very important that uh, we are an ambassador for, for our clients, right? Uh, it's a bit different when you do a website or something defined, which is a bit internalized. Here, we are going out uh, to the market for our, uh, our clients, the startup. And effectively, we're representing the company, the product, the solution uh, to, the, to, the, to the potential prospects. Uh, in general, and Leonardo will, will, uh, will tell me if, uh, if this is true, still true or not, but it, it, we don't see that as a, as a, as a problem. Honestly, uh, we, we see that as an opportunity. The, the, the clients, uh, uh, the way we operate is that we, we work as SparkSense. And we are representing uh, the startup. So effectively, we, we literally say we are representative of Drupal, for example. Um, and it is fairly common. I mean, nowadays, I mean, uh, as you know, most companies, they work through uh, distributors, agents, um, resellers. So it is nothing really particular. Uh, so the, the fact that we do that is, is quite clear. We have also the option, which we offer to our clients as well, to, to, to be fully branded. So we, we appear as Drupal, and there is no SparkSense in, involved at all. The website is Drupal. Uh, the, the, sorry, the email is Drupal. 
the way we express ourselves is Drupal and so on and so forth. So that's uh, that's an option we offer, which is a white labeling, which is uh, which is also something can be can be interesting. I think more important than maybe than the name, because of course uh, we like our names, right? We all like our names, but nobody knows it. I mean, let's be clear, right? In B two B, it's rare that people know your brand. Uh, so the the more important is really the next question, right? Okay, what do you do? Are you able to explain the product, the solution in a credible way, especially in the early stage of the development of the company? That's why we have a team which have technical background because in the early phase, it's going to be about what can it do, what can it not do, how far can the technology uh, serve your 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 business and your needs, and this is best articulated from a technical standpoint, and then deriving benefits from the technology, right? So the, that's how we 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 operate that. Leonardo, I see you have yes, unmuted, sir. so you have any? I want input? to just one thing. As before, like you said, for like recru the recruiting process, like on our side, when we interact with clients uh, of our startups, uh, we always know which kind of question to ask and how, uh, which pain points we are looking for because we uh, dynamically interact with our clients. So we are like part of their team and we can better express what they need or which side of the market uh, they should uh, aim at. Yes, yes, I think it's a very important point. So it's it's this collaborative approach that we have. So we, and you might have heard some of our clients and testimonials. They say that they feel like we are part of the team. So for us, for them, it's not about the name. It's really about the way we operate, the way we communicate, and how do you get this? As you say, we are we are part of the those table round tables every two weeks, we are effectively having a round table with our clients to, to share what has been going on, what are the product changes or potential new development, maybe new strategy or priorities. So we feel part of the team and I think the clients feel the same. And to me, this is more that mindset, more importantly, maybe than the brand or the name on the, on the email or on the, on the document, which makes a difference. So this more the attitude behind it. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks like uh, we are uh, we are running uh, to to the time uh, allowed for the breakfast. Uh, so the coffee is getting cold. So we it's time to refill. And uh, with that being said, yes, uh, Peggy has a as a as a cup. Everybody has his cup. I, I left it uh, behind. Uh, thank you very much for the good discussion, the interaction. Thank you, Thomas, for sharing your uh, insights and everyone here involved also. Uh, Pierre Ferrico, thank you for uh, highlighting a bit more what uh, Junior Entreprise APFL does. And we're looking forward to continue the discussion uh, and uh, wishing you a great day. Thank you very much for being here. Bye. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye.